Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. Imagine being in a committee meeting here at our Florida Capitol where we have walls that are decorated with political partisan flags, pride flags, BLM flag, Republican flag, a Biden-Harris flag. I'm sure you would consider that to be wholly inappropriate. Well, in far too many circumstances, our students attend classrooms where they're taught in an environment where they're not just learning, reading, writing, arithmetic, but they're also being subliminally indoctrinated with critical race theory, Marxism, and transgender ideology. Public classrooms should not be the place where kids go to be radicalized and evangelized into accepting these partisan and radical ideologies. So very interesting, Bill. It's sort of flown under the radar a little bit in uh, the legislature this uh, session. I'd brought it up early. Uh, you know, as I do, I kind of go through all the bills that get filed and I look for the ones that I think are, you know, maybe interesting. And then we play our game of who filed it. And I still have at least one episode of that that we have not yet completed, David, uh, David, Jake. Uh, but, uh, you know, if we get there, we get there. If we don't, we don't. But this one, HB 901, being run by Barrero and Fine in the House of Representatives, would say that a governmental entity may not erect or display a flag that represent should be represents, that's a typo, a uh, political viewpoint, including but not limited to a politically partisan, racial, sexual orientation, and gender or political ideology viewpoint. The governmental entity must remain neutral when representing political viewpoints and displaying or erecting a flag. So uh, no BLM flags, no Trump flags, no LGBT flags, no uh, Biden is a rock star flags, no, uh, y- you know, you get the point. And as he said, the point is partially to protect kids in classrooms, but partially from being indoctrinated and to being politicized, and partially is to keep government neutral in a lot of these questions. Now, I have a lot of thoughts about the whole concept of government neutrality, but basically the short version is let's stop spending taxpayer money on anything that advances a partisan or political cause. The classroom needs to not be a pulpit for some, you know, political, moral, religious viewpoint. You know, you... You can't have a, uh, for example, a like I don't know a, a Methodist flag in the classroom either, right? You know, and if there were such a thing, you wouldn't be allowed to have a Go Straits flag. <laughs> you know, like it's, you know, straight people we don't we don't have a flag. Well, you've got all the power. Oh, okay, but you get the point. Like, there's not a flag you can there's there's not like a traditional sexuality flag. I mean, what would <laughs> it just? There isn't one, you know. Nobody's made one yet. So, uh, if there were one, you can't fly that one either. I presumably because it's not an official government flag. Now, you get into some interesting thing, things here because he says, uh, first of all, uh, the U.S. flag unites us, and the only flag that should fly in government is flags that unite us. And uh, he says that uh, you know you can't have. I mean, for example, a Confederate flag came up as a question, right? That which is a natural question to ask. Since, you know, we're well aware of the controversy over the Confederate flag. So Florida. this um, would preclude, like, the Confederate flag from being uh, flown, correct, anywhere in government entity? 
schools and such. You recognize. Thank you, Chairman. Yes. So no Confederate flag, which raises a good question. Uh, Milton has a flag display that has a Confederate flag on it. It's, I'm told, state-owned property, not city-owned property, which raises other questions. I don't know what the implication of this bill would be for the flag display in Milton. We don't really have that anymore in Pensacola, right? Because several years ago, over the course of a couple of mayors, we replaced all of the Confederate flags with Florida flags. So that's not really an issue for Escambia County, but um, you know, City of Milton does still have a flags display, right? Uh, so what would that mean for that? Unknown, unknown. What about employees? You know, can they? Well, you know, no, not like in their offices. A government employee in their office. Uh, there was a, some question about pins. Like, if you were wearing a pin, could you wear like a LGBT flag pin? Uh, I think the answer is going to be no if they're on duty, because that's an expression of a viewpoint, a political viewpoint. Uh, what about an Israeli flag? He said yes, because it's a country. Chinese flag, Puerto Rican flag. Puerto Rico is a territory, it's not a country. But, you know, you get the point. Those are fine. Um, so it's very interesting to hear the conversation after this gets introduced, because this was one of the, you know, every year there is sort of these, the, the left calls them culture war issues, I would say it's worldview issues, but you know, whatever. You say tomato, you know, I also say tomato. Um, the point is, is that you have a lot, certain issues that get everybody's blood boiling. And this is one where, oh my God, uh, I mean, I, you know, I go a little bit overboard. I think I might have cut 40 clips off of this meeting from the other day. But it just, they're all so interesting. And the things that they say are so sometimes worth considering sometimes just plain incendiary and i'll give you some just a little taste okay this is matthew gahalski talking about the pulse nightclub shooting all i have to say is vote the same way those 49 souls who were lost in my home of orlando about seven years ago would want not the not the way those who wanted them dead would want meaning if you vote for this bill you're voting the way the pulse nightclub murderer would have wanted you to, and you shouldn't ever want to do anything that he wants you to do, right? That's kind of the idea. Uh, he also talked about the meaning of the LGBT, or the pride flag, if that's an easier way to say it. A pride flag isn't just a flag. It's a symbol to me that my very existence means something. It's a flag that unites my community, like how the American flag unites us all. Which the response from the representative sponsoring the bill is, yeah, but it should be just the American flag that unites us. And the pride flag does not unite us. It advocates a certain viewpoint that is, in fact, very divisive. Legally divisive, morally, religiously, you know, culturally divisive. So it's not a uniting flag. So you also have, um, you know, somebody like Charles Horowitz who shows up and says. As recently as yesterday, the people of Florida have spoken. Floridians firmly oppose legislation which punches down rather than uplifts the communities this legislature has systematically excluded and targeted for political purposes. So it's a hate movement. It's punching down. It's repressing people. It's, um, you know, hurting them, targeting communities, right? And a, a repeated refrain in the argument. 
This legislature is committed to one thing, furthering the culture wars. As the property insurance crisis rages, as renters cannot afford to live in their own homes, and as education is persistently and purposefully underfunded, this bill seeks to regulate flags, of all things, as a way to further suppress the community that this legislature has demonized for too long. And again, it's the argument that two things. One is you're proposing these culture wars type issues, these, you know, worldview issues that are divisive that nobody cares about. But you can't really say nobody cares about them, given that like 50 people showed up to talk about it for an hour and a half. That was one of the repeated arguments is this is an unimportant issue. They're just flags. But it was, these are unimportant issues. These are just flags. How dare you, evil people, try to take them away? Well, which is it? <laughs> you know, if, it's, if it's nothing, then you go, okay, and you just kind of let it go past. But if it's a major thing, then you show up and you pitch a fit. I agree with them in this sense. Their behavior proves and their presence in the hearing proves that these things really do matter. That flags are important. That symbols of viewpoints or nations matter. That it's not just the sort of functional, procedural, physical, economic things that matter. It's not just having more affordable housing and better insurance rates that matter. Although those things matter a lot. It's what we stand for. It's the reason people get so worked up about this stuff is precisely because they do matter. And even though these folks repeatedly made the argument that this stuff doesn't matter, this is trivial, you're wasting time on such small things, the fact that they showed up to so loudly make that point is evidence that even they don't believe it. And they shouldn't because it's a ridiculous point of view to say that these things don't matter. I will also say this, part of the reason they want to advocate the view that it doesn't matter is because they know that they previously had a position of preference. These are people who know that in, for example, classrooms or in some governmental entity areas, their, for example, pride flag was a favored status flag and was flown and was shown and represented a viewpoint that they liked. And so they were angry that that position of privilege was being challenged and taken away and they were being put back on an equal playing field with every other viewpoint, which is to not have it. And that's why they were upset. So they were showing up to defend their turf. Because when you say, and they did repeatedly say, that the whole point of all this was to create safe spaces for LGBTQ kids. You know, it focuses a lot on schools, this conversation. But it's to create a safe space for these kids to know that they are accepted and endorsed. And there's a lot of very emotional testimony. And then we'll talk about this throughout the morning. But that's not all the flag does. The flag doesn't merely do that. It also normalizes it also says, this is good, this is healthy, this is fine. These behaviors or these orientations or these identities or these preferences are all okay. Which is, of course, part of the message that you're safe here, this is a protected space, you're, you know, you're, you're accepted, you're endorsed, you're encouraged here. But that's exactly what makes it controversial because not every kid who understands these issues believes that. 
And not every parent who sends their kid to a public school and pays taxpayer money to support those schools believes that. And that's the challenge. And again, I will say this just because it's an important thing to always remember. There's not really, I mean, it's very hard to ever find a place where you can have neutrality, right? Because if you have the pride flag allowed, they will say, well, that's just, you know, protected safe space. And we will say, no, that's advocacy. And if you ban the pride flag and expressions of pro-LGBT sentiment, well, that's not really neutral either because nobody gets worked up about just sort of ordinary relationships and, you know, wearing your ring and how big is your ring and does your ring say, well, that's a guy I'm married to, that's a girl. You know, I mean, it's just, it's hard to find neutral space. And that's just, it's an important thing to realize in this whole conversation. So Randy Fine, one of the two people, Barrero and Randy Fine were the people running this. They said, look, flags aren't neutral. They are important. Everybody thinks their flag is is not that big of a deal, including the white supremacists who marched outside the Capitol. They think their flag is just sort of obvious and natural. But you should be able to do this in private, at your house, in your house, in your car, but not as a government employee and certainly not with government taxpayer money in the buildings. And so they advanced the bill. We will have more on this bill, I am sure, in coming days. There will be other equally vociferous discussions about this bill, HB 901. 523 here on News Radio 923. I'm Andrew McKay. I have diabetes. I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. I have asthma. I'm at risk too. If you're 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, COPD, or heart disease, or are 65 or older, you are at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about Prevnar 20, pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine, a Pfizer vaccine that can help protect you against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Even if you've already been vaccinated with other pneumonia vaccines, Prevnar 20 may help provide added protection. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Attention business and homeowners. Are you tired of that red dirt driveway? Are your customers having to dodge potholes or even worse, avoiding your business? Let Patriotic Paving and Maintenance pave a way to a better business and a better curb appeal. Patriotic is veteran owned and operated and servicing the entire Gulf Coast and offers seal coating, line striping, patching and full paving, both asphalt and concrete for residential and commercial. Get a free quote today or get more information at PatrioticPavingLLC.com. That's Patriotic Paving. Join Travis Thompson with Climate Tech of Professional Air, an American standard heating and air conditioning independent customer care dealer in the Pensacola area on the Pensacola Expert Panel, Thursday at 9.30. Join in as Travis discusses how you can lower your energy bill and create a healthy, comfortable home. Join him Thursday morning at 9.30 on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Get news at the top and bottom of every hour with WEAR-TV, our local news team, and Fox News on News Radio Pensacola. Is the movies a good second date, you know, as a, as a date? But you never had a first date. Yes, I did. I sat across from her in a mall. We ate together. We ate. That's eating, sharing an important physical event. 
fucking little sweet machine Back was into flowers into gasoline Good morning, 525, sorry, 526 here on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. David Wayne is uh, in the newsroom. He's got our headlines for us this morning. David? Voting is uh, getting underway in New Hampshire's presidential primary later this morning, while most of the attention's been on the Republican side, of course, where uh, former President Trump and Nikki Haley are uh, running against each other. Democrats on the ballot today, too, although not Joe Biden. He's the first incumbent president in more than 50 years to not file for New Hampshire's primary. Isn't Marion Williamson one of the candidates? There's like two candidates for the Democrats. Marion Williamson is somebody I'd never heard of. And she's the, um, well, interesting lady. <laughs> Let's just say it that way. Go on, David. Uh, and uh, George Santos is expected to be back in federal court today. Of course, he's charged with wire fraud, money laundering, and making false statements. Uh, in October, additional charges accused him of identity theft and uh, just all sorts of things going on for him. Uh, the Supreme Court has now granted the Biden administration's request to throw out a lower court ruling, which banned federal agents from removing the razor wire that Texas had uh, strung across the southern border. This, is, this will clear the way for federal officials then to remove physical barriers and help illegal immigrants that are crossing the Rio Grande. There's so much weirdness in the backstory on this because, you know, the Texas had put up these physical barriers at places where there were crossings. There have been people who have died in connection with, apparently in connection with the razor wire, preventing them from getting in. Um, part of it is that the uh, Border Patrol says that the way Texas has controlled the launches for the boats and by putting up the razor wire, they can't even get to the river to do the patrolling they're supposed to do. So this is partially about letting in some people safely, but also partially about letting them have the ability to get to the water and do their jobs. And as you say, the Supreme Court on this expedited review of it's not done. It's just it's a temporary allowing of which side to win for the moment. But it's so weird to think that you have the. Border Patrol for the United States government is taking down border barriers so that they say it can do its job better of protecting the border from being incurred by it's such a weird yeah, it's, case. It's a very confusing. Super weird. Yeah. Also, the voting on this one. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett and John Roberts voted with the liberals on this one. You had uh, uh, the four conservatives. Well, I mean, typically, say the six conservatives, at least five and a half. Uh, but she voted with the, uh, the liberals on this one. I, you know. I didn't read it. I don't know what the reasoning is. I'm, you know, not really passing judgment one or the other. I just thought that was an interesting note on this one. Uh, David, thanks so much for the update. 528 on News Radio 923. Uh, interesting health note. The kind of thing that, it, I mean, fantastic potentially, okay, fantastic potentially, is that you have a test now for uh, the things that cr- that that cause Alzheimer's. 15 years before there are symptoms? Maybe. New study punished in the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association, Neurology. You've got a blood test that can detect PTAU-217, which is apparently a key biomarker for Alzheimer's. Up to 97% accuracy, a protein that builds up in the brain 15 years before people start showing symptoms. So this would be like so many other things where you have the pre-screen and maybe people at the age of 50 would start taking it the way they recommend that we do a, you know, a colonoscopy and then get screened every couple of years, just like you screen for cholesterol or polyps or, you know, anything else. Um, it's a few hundred dollars to do. And if 
everything proves out. Man, talk about a sort of a revolutionary indicator. Now, you know, the, uh, the the theory is that even though we don't have great stuff for treating Alzheimer's, once we have detected symptoms, we do have some stuff. And maybe some of those therapies would be more effective if they're applied earlier. You know, obviously, if you know you got 15 years ahead of time, you know, that this thing is developing, that's a lot of time to really work on, you know, better interventions before, you know, maybe the problem now is it's just too far gone for us to really do too much with it. Uh, also, frankly, I just, you know, it's a little terrifying to think about the prospect of knowing that's coming 15 years ahead of time. Like, you got 15 years to prepare, sort of, but you know it's hanging over you, right? News. I'm Chris Foster. Nikki Haley takes the earliest of early leads in the New Hampshire primary in Dixville Notch, population six, where everyone votes just after midnight. Fox's Mark Meredith was there. All six ballots now being pulled out of the ballot box. They're going to put it on this whiteboard as the number comes in. It is official. Wow. All six of the uh, votes that were cast being for Nikki Haley. Former candidates Tim Scott, Doug Burgum, and Vivek Ramaswamy were all at a rally with former President Trump last night. The Israeli military reports the death of 21 soldiers in a single attack in Gaza. A rocket-propelled grenade hit a tank near two buildings the soldiers were in. Those buildings then exploded, probably as a result of mines placed by the Israelis to demolish them. Israeli forces are continuing to attack Khan Yunis, where they believe the leaders of Hamas are based. They say they've now encircled the city and killed dozens of Hamas members in the last 24 hours. Fox's Jonathan Savage. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531 at News Radio 923. It's 56 degrees right now, mostly cloudy skies in Pensacola. A bill that would require sheriff's offices around the state to provide a safe custody exchange area in their parking lots has now passed the Florida House. The Cassie Carley law would require these custody swap areas to have lighting, cameras, and marker lights or signs. Instead of parents traveling long distances or traveling to each other's home, this gives uh, judges the right to say, no, this is an unusual case. There seems to be a lot of conflict, a lot of tension. Uh, we're going to make this uh, exchange take place in a safe, secure location, which is what HB 385 does. Representative Joel Rudman uh, filed this bill, and it's named in honor of Navarre's Cassie Carley, who was killed after a custody exchange with her child's father, Marcus Spanavello, back in 2022. The Escambia Sheriff's Office says they're ready to comply with whatever the law requires for the exchange area. Well, some new information on last Friday's deadly stabbing. The Escambia County Sheriff's Office has ruled it a case of self-defense. Investigators say it all started when a 38-year-old man was arguing with his 71-year-old mother. He reportedly picked up a knife, started cutting himself, and that's when his mother and her boyfriend both intervened. The mother and the boyfriend were simply trying to get, you know, to keep him from harming himself. They were trying to do right. They were legally where they were, they were allowed to be. Um, and then ultimately, you know, to save their own lives, they, they took action, or he took action. And in the end, the mother was stabbed, the boyfriend stabbed the son in self-defense. Charges are not expected to be filed in this case. There is some potential drama brewing over and a proposal to come to the Santa Rosa to name a Santa Rosa County bridge after uh, Lloyd Hinote, Lloyd Hinote, a longtime Milton City Council member and vice chief with the Santa Rosa County Creek Indian Tribe. The proposal would have designated the bridge over Pond Creek 
at Willard Norris Road as the Chief Lloyd Hiote Memorial Bridge. Uh, Tom Nichols says he founded the tribe and Hinote was his vice chief for 12 years. Well, before I retired, Mr. Hinote and Mr. Helms and others were trying to overthrow my chiefship. And, of course, uh, referring to Hinote and Dan Helms, the chief of the Santa Rosa Band of the Lower Muskogee, Helms also addressed the board voicing support for that proposal. Ultimately, Commissioner James Calkins had the proposal removed from Thursday's agenda until he could get more information on it. 534 News Radio 92.3, and let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather. We are going to be seeing a much warmer day in store today with those wet conditions. We're going to be seeing scattered, isolated showers as we go throughout the day. 30% chance of rain with a high near 65. Overnight tonight, staying warm with lows in the 60s. For our Wednesday, heavy showers and thunderstorms possible. 50% chance of rain with a high near 71. And Wednesday night, temperatures dropping near 65. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Warning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Warning Weather Center. Right now, 56 in Pensacola, 55 in Gulf Breeze, 55 in Milton. Our next news at 6 and breaking news anytime. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Ready for intelligent and thought-provoking conversation? Tune in to The Guy Benson Show on News Radio Pensacola. Weekdays from 2 till 4 p.m. on 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. Guy Benson, the brilliant and charismatic host, brings you a fresh perspective on the biggest stories of the day. Guy keeps you engaged and informed. Don't miss out on the intellectual thrill ride. Tune in to The Guy Benson Show on News Radio Pensacola from 2 till 4 p.m. It's the show that'll challenge your thinking and leave you wanting more on News Radio Pensacola. My husband, Alex Hussey, was hit by an IED in Afghanistan. I was playing man in foot patrol and I stopped on the bomb. Lost my legs and left hand in an explosion. And he suffered a severe traumatic brain injury. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. There are so many mountains to climb and we do it together. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. Seeing Alex learning how to snow ski, that's life changing. DAV provides a lifetime of support to veterans of every generation, helping more than a million veterans each year. Alex did it. He skied down this mountain. That's something he won't forget. With the right support, there are no limits. To see him on that slope and smiling like that, we'll be taking this home. This has meant so much. Thank you, DAV. Alex Hussey, thank you for your service. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Hello, this is Mary with Howard Young Flooring. Shopping for flooring can be a little overwhelming. At Howard Young Flooring, we are here to help you any way we can and answer any questions you may have so that you can make knowledgeable decisions. We understand the importance of each and every customer and would like to thank you for allowing us into your homes. For those we have not met, we hope to see you soon. Visit us today at 4333 Avalon Boulevard in Milton. We look forward to covering your future. Psst, Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Oh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom! Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay. Mornings before pep talk on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. It's a Pensacola Morning News. Good to have you with us this morning. I know it's early, you know. Drink some coffee. Whether it's out of a Stanley Cup or not, we won't bully you either way. Uh, <laughs> get a little bit of that, that sleepy dirt out of your eye and uh, listen to the sheriff. Yesterday we had a chance to talk to um, Santa Rosa Sheriff Bob Johnson. Sheriff, welcome back to the Pensacola Morning News, sir. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Um, I wanted to talk with you uh, about the Uvalde report because this is such an important learning opportunity for us on all the things that they did wrong. Uh, before we get to that, uh, I know you had been, you had at one point your agency had been looking for a, a kayaker who had been last seen at the Archie Glover boat ramp over the weekend. I guess it got, the search got called off a couple of times for bad weather, but do you know anything about the status yeah. of that? Yeah, I know it's ongoing. Um, they still haven't found them, so... Um they'll continue until they do okay okay and that i i figure you guys probably hand that off right that's at some point you hand it off to fish and wildlife and the coast guard and stuff yeah yeah they they assume it after a while um and you know with the currents and things like that there's there's absolutely no telling you know right Hmm. okay well that's sad to think about of course uh, and, and, and I think other than that, things have been relatively calm uh, as far as sort of big news-related events, which is always, in my mind, a good thing, right? Oh, yeah, that's a great thing. That's right. <laughs> I, I love it I love it when there's no news out of the sheriff's department. That's the best because um, that means yeah. that nobody's getting hurt, and, you know, not in any significant way. That's the good news. Um, this Uvalde report, I don't know whether you've had a chance to read the executive summary or the whole thing. I have not read the whole thing. I've read some of the reporting on it. And my goodness, um, all the things we knew they did wrong and now all the things we now know they did wrong. What just your kind of takeaways to begin with, since obviously your agency is one of the primary responders to anything like this that might happen in Santa Rosa County. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was pretty embarrassing for law enforcement as a whole. I mean, um, you know, they said, well, they thought he barricaded himself. Well, Active shooter means he's actively shooting people. So whether he barricades himself or not, if you still hear gunshots, he's an active shooter. And, um, you know, they just, they didn't respond anywhere close the way they should have. And they took fire going down the hall and then retreated. But um, everybody knows that if, if you're in a school and you have an active shooter and he's killing children, hey, sometimes you just got to take the hit and you got to, you got to press forward and you have to take him out. I mean, that's just the way it works. And, and they didn't have that mindset. They uh, they retreated and basically hid while a bunch of kids got killed, which is pretty pathetic. It's um, uh, watching that. I mean, we knew what had happened, but then seeing that in school video of all of these armed, yeah. armored, yeah. grown men trained their whole yep. lives to do this one thing, cowering there without being willing to go. I mean, that's what it looked like to me as a civilian. And I hate to say that about cops because I want to love cops and support them, but that's what it looked like to me, right? That is exactly what it was. I can tell you, you know, I'm in year 42 of being a cop and, you know, I've been shot at a few times and I'm telling you, it's not pleasant, 
But, you know, when you sign on and you put the badge and the gun on, you accept the responsibilities and the chances of, you know, you may die in the line of duty. And if it comes down to protecting kids and you die, and sometimes, like I said, you just take the hit. But uh, these guys just uh, yeah, cowered back there and just could hear gunshots. And every time you hear a gunshot on that video, that's a child dying. Mm. And they made no uh, effort to press forward whatsoever, and it was pretty pathetic. One of um, one of the things that I try, you know, I always try to see if I can make sense of something in a different way. And the the only thing I could piece yeah. together, and you tell me if you think this is even plausible, is yeah, you you get in there, and it's not just you and your three buddies that you know really well. It's a it's a variety of agencies, and yeah. you get in there, and nobody's taking control, and mm-hmm. nobody's giving clear guidance. They they clearly did not have good command and control of the situation, and there's my, my tendency is to say. Maybe what they were saying was kind of in their minds, well, all of these other guys must know what they're doing, and there must be a good reason for us not to rush in there. I don't want to be the only guy who thinks we should go and be stupid about it. Is I mean, it's it's pretty much of a stretch to come to that conclusion, but is there any of that kind of just cops are still people and they still behave like people, which, you know, one person can be smart, but people are dumb, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you can consider that. This is the thing. In, in today's... Uh, realm of law enforcement, we train for active shooters because it occurs so much. And the first basic rule of, of a school shooter or an active shooter is you don't wait for backup. The first person there goes, makes contact, and, and shoots the guy. That's the way it's supposed to work. So if you've got two guys there and they're still not pressing forward, then you got four guys they are still not pressing forward. You know, it's a point where they just basically, you know, didn't want to go down there because they were afraid they'd get hurt. Even though kids are being killed, that's what it boils down to. Because all my SROs will tell you, if there's an active shooter at one of their schools, they're not waiting for other cops to get there. You can't. I mean, guy could take five minutes, and how many kids can you kill in five minutes? Right. A lot. So um, they all know. They press forward, and unfortunately, I mean, sometimes cops have to get killed, and it's it's not a good thing, but um, you've got to try to take this guy out and at least wound him to where he can't shoot anymore or something. Um, but those guys in Uvalde just didn't have that mindset. They were say, I don't want to get hurt, so I'm going to stay back and, you know, let kids get killed, which was, like I said before, just pathetic. I, I don't know for a lot of these cops how they how they live with it. I don't I – don't, because you have to know now that – you standing down the hallway safe cost kids' lives. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have left the force. A lot of people who are involved in this have resigned. And I, okay, you know, understand that. But I just, I don't, I mean, that would be, that would plague me. And I'm not even a cop, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and it should. I mean, these guys obviously don't need to be in law enforcement if they put their, their lives, uh, you know, and their security above that of children. Um you know, protecting children, they obviously, they don't need to be in law enforcement. And if you don't have that mindset, you know, and unfortunately you get a lot of people that go into law enforcement because they see cops on TV and they think it's, Hey, it'll be exciting and it'll be fun, but it's a lot of responsibility. I mean, as a law enforcement officer, you have the legal authority to take someone's freedom and the legal authority authority to take someone's life. And that's a huge responsibility. It's huge. And 
um, people don't think about it. What they do is they think, well, this is a cool job to have, you know, and you get to drive fast to calls. And, yeah, you know, it's part of it. But when it comes down to the basic tenet of law enforcement, you've got to be willing to put yourself in front of a bullet to protect somebody you don't even know. And if you don't have that mindset, don't get into the career field. You know, one of the uh, one of the lesser, I think, focused on elements of this uh, story is n- not what happened inside the school or even what happened with the command and control failures and the breakdown of authority, but uh, and just unwillingness for anybody to really take charge and do what needed to be done and give the right orders, which should have been obvious. Yeah. But again, it all all broke down. My question to you is: um, the other side of this was the communication side, where they were. Just, I mean, they told parents, uh, I, I guess they told parents of kids who had died that their kids were alive, and they told parents, I mean, they just, like, the communication yeah. side was also a complete failure. Yeah. Yeah, the, the whole situation, and I don't know much about Texas law enforcement, okay? I, you know, I know how it goes in Florida. <laughs> Excuse me. But um, I'll tell you right now, number one, you don't tell anybody the status <laughs> Excuse me. Of their children, you don't tell them the status of their children unless you know it 100% for sure. So why they're putting out information? Oh no, your child's fine, and you know when you don't know it, why? I, it just blows my mind that they're even talking about it. I mean, you don't even talk about it until this whole scene's secure and everybody's been identified, and then that's when you start notifications. But um, yeah, they dropped the ball on so many different levels. I can't. I mean, it's just it's horrific and. You know, a lot of people, like you said, lost their job, jobs, and a lot of people needed to lose their jobs after that debacle. So the, the it's last thing a horrible was, situation for everybody. Just the last thing I was going to ask you about this is yeah. I know that you guys train all the time and you pay attention to events yeah. and you learn from them and you learn what not to do and you learn what to do. Um, aside from the everything of it that was wrong, is there anything particularly that your agency learned from this that you're going to implement in your active shooter slash school shooter responses? Yeah, no. Um, and I'll tell you why our, our response is, is pretty basic and it's just, it's, it's not rocket science. If our SRO hears gunshots inside his school or her school, they're going to go to the sound of the gunshots and, of course, as they're going, they're going to be calling active shooter over the radio, so backup is coming. But they're going to go, and they're going to go to wherever the shots are being fired from, and they're going to take the threat out, or they're going to die trying. And that's just the basic premise of active shooter response. I mean, like I said, it's not rocket science. You don't wait. You don't, you know, you don't wait for backup. You don't ask people, you know, questions as they're running down the hall trying to get away. You just go to where the shots are being fired. And you shoot the guy. I mean, and these guys and Uvalde just 100% did not do that, which, as I said before, is just horrific. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, I know it's a you know it's a very ugly mark on law enforcement because, of course, you know, yeah. sadly, all all doctors get judged by what a few doctors, and all talk show hosts get judged by yeah. what a few talk show hosts, and all cops get judged by what a few cops, and that's the very sad thing. In addition to the loss yeah. of life, is the loss of respect, but. Uh, Sheriff Bob Johnson, I very much appreciate the comments, the candor, and uh, certainly we appreciate what you do to keep us safe. We'll talk to you again next week, sir. Yes, sir. Take care, Andrew. Absolutely. And, you know, it hadn't quite clicked with me until this morning. I was actually kind of listening to this interview from yesterday. But the thing about this that, um, I I don't know, maybe I've never quite heard anybody say this way, but the thing about 
this that's so infuriating or so frustrating or so maddening, really, is that we all want to honor and do honor police officers for their willingness to put their life on the line for me and my family and you and your family, right? And that's why we say thank you for serving, and that's why we think of them as heroes, and that's why when they do die, we show up in the thousands and line the streets and honor them because that act of bravery of investing your life and putting it at risk for the sake of order, decency, law, and the rest of our safety. That's a that's a noble thing. And then to think that somebody who's been honored that way and who represents the badge that we all do honor that way, when the moment comes, refuses to do that duty. is so, such a violation of everything that we invest in them as a culture. So that's that's why it makes you so angry. It's 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 the children. It's the loss. It's the suffering. It's but it's also that you know they deserted on the front line in the moment where they could actually have shown that they deserved the things that we all say about them. I mean, it's a betrayal of the badge. It's part of what's so frustrating about all of this. 551 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's time to gear up for success in 2024 with the latest and greatest gear at Jim's Firearms, your one-stop destination for everything firearms. Enhance your shooting experience with cutting-edge optics, illuminate your targets with powerful lights and lasers, and carry with confidence using state-of-the-art holsters. They have everything you need to dominate the range. Jim's Firearms at the corner of Sorrento Road at Blue Angel Parkway or shop online at jimsfirearms.net. Gear up and make 2024 your best year on the range. Pensacola Opera's 41st season. Opening with Donizetti's Lucia di Lammermoor, January 26th and the 28th. A tragic tale of the madness of matrimony. Lucia is madly in love with her family's fierce enemy, but an arranged marriage to save her family might just drive her mad. Donizetti's beautifully tumultuous score is a masterpiece of drama, heartbreak, love, and madness. Tickets start at just $25. Learn more at PensacolaOpera.com or by calling 850-433-6737. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information, or instant payment email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. 
Guy Benson, keeping you informed of the news every day at 2, right after Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Uh, excuse me. I think this might be Gatorade or something. I was just looking for some regular water. Water? Yeah. You mean like in the toilet? What for? Like in the toilet. What for? Oh, man. I, I t- Idiocracy looks less funny and more like prophecy yes. <laughs> by the day. Oh, my gosh. It's so awful. 554 on News Radio 92.3. As somebody texted in, they're, they're kind of, uh, we were ta- talking about, chatting about the, uh, the flags issue and the people who today everything is oppressive and marginalizing and hurtful and, you know, they have climate anxiety. And, uh, you know, in the old days, you just, you know, you learn to be tough or you learn to endure things that, you know, you learn to kind of stand up for yourself. And it's not as, uh, you know, as much of an issue these days. 554 on News Radio 92.3. David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? The convicted mix- Michigan Oxford shoot- school shooter is appealing his sentence of life without parole. The uh, state appellate defender's office announced yesterday that they're assigned to represent the teen in his appeal. They're planning to fight any efforts to have him testify in his parents' trials as well. The youngest son of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has died at the age of 62. The King Center says Dexter Scott King passed away yesterday. His wife, Leah King, says he passed peacefully in his sleep at their home in Malibu. He'd apparently been battling prostate cancer. And uh, Florida's setting a new education record. The governor announced yesterday the state's high school graduation rate in 2022 and 23 was 88%, the highest ever across the state. And uh, he also says graduation rates were higher now than they were five years ago for students with disabilities, the economically disadvantaged, and for African-American students. All right, David, thanks so much for the update. If you're looking for that next vehicle and trying to decide where to go, where to look, where to start, start at Frontier Motors. You know, 300 different cars, trucks, vans, SUVs, sports cars, sedans, uh, economies, Jeeps, you know, all the stuff. They have all the different categories, all the different genres, okay? And you go there and you're going to look at mostly cars that are one, two, three years young, you know, a couple, you know, maybe a few thousand miles on them. They've had an owner. You might have a couple that are a little bit older, you know, four or five, some of the trucks, okay? Because obviously they, they can last a long time too. But the point is you get cars that are in great condition, trucks that are in great condition that you're going to drive for a long time and drive and drive and drive and drive. And then eventually replace them with another one that's almost new. That's how I do. That's how Dave Ramsey recommends that you do. That's the way you avoid taking that depreciation hit off that car that first mile you drive it. You know, you, you, you the, the tire goes over the curb uh, or over the driveway entrance to the street, and all of a sudden you're out a bunch of money, right? And is it worth that in order to get the used car smell or the new car smell? And I, I always say no. I just say no. I'd rather have a car that, you know, I don't pay more for and I get to drive and enjoy a long time. That's Frontier Motors. You can compare them side by side. Drive five or six. Drive eight. I don't mind. You know, it's you're going to live in that car for a long time. You might as well be sure that you've got the right one because sometimes you got to drive it to find out what you maybe don't love about it as much as something else. Frontier Motors serving the Pensacola community for more than 25 years behind the big buffalo on Beverly Parkway. Be sure to tell them Andrew McKay says hi. 556 on News Radio 923. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Donald Trump says it's highly unlikely Ron DeSantis is going to end up in his cabinet. That does not surprise me particularly. And honestly, you know, for me, I think that's fine. Um, you know, if he does get the nomination, looks very likely pending today's primary in New Hampshire, obviously. But uh, this is kind of the if Nikki Haley doesn't do really well today, it's over. 
right? We all know this. It's over. Two primaries, well, a caucus and a primary, boom, zip, done. Now, if she does well or she wins, it won't be over. Especially if she wins, it won't be over. But let's let's play it out the way it looks likely at this moment. She's not going to win, not going to do all that well. She's going to lose by 10 points or so, and then she's going to bow out, and that's going to be it. And then let's say Trump wins in the general election against, let's assume, Biden at this point because nothing has changed. Well, then what do you do? Do you, you know, do you want two more years of Governor DeSantis? Or do you want two years of, you know, our lieutenant governor and he moves into the White House in some departmental you know, capacity? I would just as soon have him be governor for our benefit, you know, because I think he's a great governor. And uh, maybe, you know, as if the Trump administration of 2025 and on is anything like the Trump administration of 2017, um, there will be some turnover. <laughs> There will be be a lot of turnover. And if that's true, then there may be subsequent opportunities when he's no longer governor. Of course, he could always run for Senate. I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities. Who knows? But um, that was something that Donald Trump said yesterday is um, basically I've got a bunch of people that I have in mind for these positions, and he's not one of them, Uh, which it's not really all that surprising. 437-1620. Oh, um, you ever heard the name Haley Davidson? Haley Davidson is a transgender girl. That means born a male, transitioned to a girl several years ago, surgery and hormone therapy, and now competes as a lady professional golfer and just won a tournament and is saying that, um, look, the benefits that I had maybe when I was younger, uh, physically, I don't have any more. You know, it's not like I drive 300 yards or even 280. I drive about 250 on a good day. But even somebody who, and the LPGA dropped the requirement for female at birth uh, in 2010, so this has been quite some time. Uh, But uh, Davidson competed as a male in the U.S. Open local qualifiers in 2015 and then competes as a female now under the provisions for the LPGA. So there you go. You're listening to News Radio 92.3, WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola. 